be celebrating 20 years of marriage between uh, myself and my wife. So I praise God for Brooke. She's a blessing to my life. So if any of you, I didn't get a hold of some of you that I was supposed to this week, please forgive me. It was a busy week, and um, I will get with you. I haven't forgotten you, and I'm still praying for you. Can we stand as we are about to go in, in, into the Word of God? We'll stand to honor the Word of God, because that's what we're about to do. We're about to, we're about to see Jesus materialize in his Word, right? Because he was the word made flesh. So anytime that the word is read or taught or spoken, then Jesus is here. It's, it's even to the point that God even looks over his word to perform it. Man, the word is so powerful. You can't play with the word, right? The word is so powerful that when you speak the word and when you believe the word, that it, it must happen because his word never returns void to him. So this morning, God, we honor your word. We honor your word, Lord. We need your word. Your word is our strength. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Your word sustains us. Your word is true, God. Your word is the foundation of our lives. Without your word, we wouldn't know what to do. Without your word, we wouldn't know you, God. Some of us wouldn't even be alive today if it wasn't for your word. So we honor your word, Lord. We honor you. And I pray, God, that this message would fall upon the hearts of your people. Lord, may this be manna from heaven. Help your servant to serve, God. I am weak, but you are strong. Help your servant to serve, God. They are weak, but you are strong. And Lord, forgive us for trying to live by bread alone. For your word says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So you're about to feed your sheep, God. Some of us are tired. Some of us are, uh, we feel abandoned. We just don't know what's going on in life anymore. But here comes your word to the rescue. Let's give God praise for his word this morning. Here comes your word. To the rescue. Here comes your word to the rescue. Lord, we believe. Church, say this with me. I believe, but help my unbelief. Again, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, open my ears to hear your word, and may faith come at its hearing. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated at this time. Kim, can you stay just a couple minutes? Just a couple minutes, please. All right. Today's message is entitled, Your Kingdom Come. Your Kingdom Come is the name of the series that we're in. And it's God's will that his kingdom be established in every generation. Not just the generation of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, not just the generation of the first apostles and disciples to follow him, but it's important that the kingdom of God be established in every generation. Church, can you say every generation? In every generation, it is the desire of Jesus, it is, it is the desire of the Father that the kingdom be seen and manifested and declared. The kingdom be seen, manifested, and declared in every generation. 
So it is the will of the king, the will of the king rather, is for his kingdom to be seen by its seekers. So if you are a seeker of the kingdom of God, he, he wants you to see it. He wants you to see his will being done in your life. He wants you to see his glory. He wants you to see his power. But you've got to be a seeker of the kingdom of God. Don't get stuck seeking the things of this world because whatever you seek, you will find. But the problem is this, that some, not sometimes, all the time, you'll seek what you're finding, but will it save you in the end? If you're just seeking to work and to retire and to have things, you'll have those things. But at the end, will you be able to exchange those things for your soul? So it's time to seek things that are eternal. His kingdom is eternal. It has no end. Amen. He is the Alpha and the Omega. All right. Thank you, Kimberly. The light has come. The word manifest, and the name of today's message is the, the, uh, your kingdom come manifesting the kingdom. The word manifest means plain, open, clearly visible to the eye or obvious to the understanding, apparent, not obscure or difficult to be seen or understood. Church, can you say this with me? The light, the light. Has, come. has come. Again, the light has come. We praise God that the light has come. Jesus Christ is the light and the kingdom is being manifested all around to its seekers. Uh, there are some of us in this place today that we don't know a day of lack. We don't know a day without righteousness. We don't know a day without peace. We don't know a day without joy. Why? Because we've sought the kingdom and we found it. Now, I'm not saying that we always have money in our accounts. I'm not saying that we always feel the best in our bodies. I'm not saying that sometimes depression and anxiety don't try to come and attack us. But those of us that have sought to find the kingdom, we have found the kingdom of God. We have found righteousness. We have found peace. And we have found joy all in the Holy Ghost. We were looking in other places for these things, but we could not find them there. And we could not find that. In, I've been married for 20 years, but I did not find righteousness there. I did not find peace there. I did not find joy there. I found it only in the Holy Spirit. And then when I brought the kingdom of God into the marriage, this is important, that's where I found righteousness in the marriage and peace in the marriage and joy in the marriage because we brought the kingdom of God into the marriage. The kingdom wants to be manifested. So just as Jesus, as the Father from the beginning said, let there be light, and what? There was light, right? He wants the kingdom of God to be manifested in this earth and in this life, but we have a devil, an adversary, that is working full time to make sure that the kingdom of darkness overwhelms the kingdom of light, but it is impossible unless your eyes have been blinded and you cannot see. The Bible says that the God of this world, little g God of this world, has blinded the minds of those so that they cannot see the salvation of the Lord. They cannot see the kingdom of God. But I'm here to tell you this morning that the light has come. The light has come, right? It has been manifested. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 17. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth. Church, can you say he went? Yeah. 
Jesus only goes to be manifested. Listen to me. Jesus is not to be ignored. When Jesus shows up, people know that this is the king. There is something different about him. So he went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum. Listen, the light is moving. Just like the light moves across the sky, the sun moves across the sky, the sun, S-O-N, was moving throughout this region, right? Why was the sun moving? Uh, In the region of Zebulon and Naphtali, this fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah. You see, Jesus had to move back then so that he could be manifested and that the word of God could be made uh, complete that Isaiah spoke. So the Lord moves so that he can be manifested. Some of you need him to move upon your body. Some of you need him to move upon your finances, upon your, your, your marriages, all these situations. You need Jesus to move to the place called there so that he can be established. Why? Because the light has come. So this fulfilled what God said, all that moving Jesus did to the prophet Isaiah. Verse 15 tells us this, in the land of Zebulon, this was the prophecy, and before Jesus came, in the land of Zebulon and of Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live. Right? These were the people who did not know God. It was sheer, sheer chaos, destruction, sin, depravity, wickedness, right? That's all that was there because the the Jews owned salvation. They were the only ones that knew of God. So Jesus had to move. Come on. Jesus had to move throughout all these areas so that the light would come. Verse 16 says this the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Let's give God praise for that right there, right? We, ourselves, we used to sit in great darkness, but behold, we have seen a great light. Father, we declare this over America and the rest of the world, God, that those that sit in great darkness, may they see your light. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. Father, we thank you now in Jesus' name that all those, these places in the earth where death has cast its shadow, that your light is shining. Shine upon abortion, God. Shine upon abortion, God. Shine upon the destruction of humanity, God. Let your light shine in that place called there where the shadow of death cast its shadow. All right, so Jesus is prophesied, and then Jesus is manifested. And then verse 17 says this. From then on, Jesus began to preach. So let me, I got to show you something really quick. So the word rest over here, uh, we got revelation, empowerment, strategy, and triumph. R-E-S-T. Not R-E-S-P-E-C-T, just R-E-S-T, okay? Rest. So rest stands for revelation. You can find this all throughout the word, this, this, these four, uh, this, 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 this foundation, right? Whenever God speaks, it's revelation. Church, can you say revelation? Whenever God speaks, it's revelation, and that word is always empowered. Church, can you say empowered? The word E stands for empowered. So God's word is powerful. It's always going to do what he said it would do. The next letter in rest stands for, uh, is S, and it stands for strategy. Church, can you say strategy? So God will give man a strategy so that 
faith must be used to bring about his glory in the earth. And then finally, the last letter in rest is triumph. T for triumph. Church, can you say triumph? triumph. All right, so we're going to verse 15 now. Can you bring, do we have the verses on the screen? Verse 16. It says, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. Church, can you say revelation? revelation? So this is revelation. Something is being revealed in the earth, right? You used to sit in great darkness, but now a great light has come, and his name is Jesus. So that's the R. Let's go to verse 17 now. Verse 17 is the empowerment. So if this revelation is true and it's going to be manifested in the earth, then it needs to be empowered. It needs to be preached. It needs to be released. And that's exactly what happens in verse 17. We see this as the verse of empowerment. It says, from then on, Jesus began to preach. Listen to this. The word began to preach. <laughs> the word became flesh and began to preach, right? The word was manifested in this earth with a body, with a mouth, with a tongue, with a voice. And he began to preach and show great signs and miracles because the revelation was people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus was that great light. He was the one that was empowered, verse 17. From then on, Jesus began to preach. The S stands for strategy. Church, can you say strategy? So there must be a strategy in order for the revelation to bring triumph. So what must we do to receive this revelation? If we're going to have the rest of God, the rest of God means that he's done something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. And all we have to do is believe by faith and do what he said and we can have it. We can be at rest. Men can't save themselves. Only Jesus could save us, right? So the revelation is that there's a great light that has come into our darkness. We used to sit in death, but now there is light. What's the empowerment? That Jesus came into this world and he began to preach. So what is the strategy? The strategy is this. What did Jesus say? Repent of your sins and turn to God. Church, can you say strategy? Strategy is our part. The revelation has come through the empowerment of Jesus Christ. The strategy is what man must do by faith to get to triumph, right? Repent of your sins and turn to God. Why? What's the triumph of doing that? For the kingdom of heaven is near. How many of you want to live in the kingdom of heaven all of their life, right? So the kingdom of God starts now within us, but the kingdom of heaven is where we will live for all of eternity with God. And it's so important that we understand that there is a prayer that brings the manifestation of the kingdom to our lives. There is one prayer that you must memorize. There's one prayer that you must dissect. You must turn over. You must begin to understand. You must equip yourself with it. And it is the Lord's prayer. If you want to see the kingdom of God manifested in your life, you must pray the Lord's prayer and know what you're praying. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. So I found seven Ps within the uh, Lord's Prayer, right? There is praise, purpose, priority, provision, passion, protection, 
and possession. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven Ps. I'll say them again. This is the prayer of manifestation. This is how you seek the kingdom of God and find it and have it manifested in the earth. It's seven Ps. There's praise, purpose, priority, provision, passion, protection, and possession. Let's break it down. Jesus' disciples came to him and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he says this, after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Church, can you say praise? praise? Come on, we're going somewhere today. Learn this. Listen, you're not just here for a church service. God is unlocking some kingdom principles for you today. So don't just take this as a, all right, he'll be done in a little bit. I'll be able to go to lunch and get my week on. No, listen, the kingdom of darkness is very angry right now, right? Because God is coming back and, and he is the lion of Judah that we just sang about. And he's very angry at the children of God. So he wants to equip us with the kingdom, right? There's nothing in earth that can save you from the enemy, right? Because stop markets crash. The money that you possess and that we love so much, it'll be tossed in the street and become worthless. So none of this earthly stuff matters. It's going to get a lot worse in this earth. So we've got to be, prepare the way of the Lord. We've got to have a kingdom mindset so that when the earth falls apart and they don't know what to do, that we, we're, we're settled in the kingdom right? We've got righteousness, we've got peace, and we've got joy when they don't know what to do out there because all of their hope is in what they can see. But the Bible says that everything that you can see is temporary, but everything that you cannot see is eternal. Kingdom is eternal. So we put our mind on the kingdom. So you've got to learn the Lord's prayer so that you can manifest things in this earth when there is nothing to have, right? When, 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 when Israel is out of bread, you've got to know how to get to Egypt because there, it's been stored up, right? It's been stored up there. He sent a Joseph of head. Listen to me. You are the Josephs of your family. You are the Josephs of your generation. You know where the grain is. You know how to get resources from where? From the kingdom. We're not going to be able to rely on our jobs forever. We're not going to be able to rely on social assistance forever. You better know how to pray and have things manifest right there in your life. The kingdom of God is manifested through prayer. So Jesus, his disciples asked them, teach us how to pray. Why do you think he told them this prayer? Just listen. It starts with praise. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Church, say praise. praise. You got to keep praise in your life. Do you hear me? If you want the kingdom of God to be manifested in your life, you've got to make sure that praise is at the top of the list, not worry, not anxiety, not fear. Move all that junk out of the way and just begin to praise the Lord and say, God, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I praise you. You are my father in heaven and your name is holy. Your name is sacred. The, 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 the remainder of the prayer goes on to say this, thy kingdom come. Church, can you say purpose? purpose? All right, so we've got praise, and now we've got purpose. 
All of my notes are found on the app, okay? So if you're not taking notes, and, and, and you should because you can't, you can't memorize all this, and this is God talking to you, not Damien, right? You got to understand that this is in me, all right? Years ago, my father sat right back there where that man with the hat is sitting, God bless him. And after two weeks of me preaching, he came up to me because he didn't think I was ready to be pastor. After two weeks of me preaching, he came up to me and said, you know what? I know you, boy, and that's not you. That's not you in there. That's the spirit of God, right? So that's why I try to humble myself and say, I am weak, God. I can do nothing without you. This voice coming out of me, it might be my vocal cords, and it might be me standing before you, but this is a word from your Father in heaven. Church, can you say amen? So you got to really take this, these messages to heart. He's trying to get something to you. So the first thing that we need to do is praise God in every circumstance. Praise must come first. And then it says, thy kingdom come. Church, can you say purpose? So if you want to see the kingdom of God manifested in your life, your purpose must be, the first purpose must be thy kingdom come. It always has to be that. No matter what's going on in my life, I want to see the kingdom of God come right here, right into my situation, right into my circumstance. I want to see the kingdom of God. Say this with me. My purpose is to see the kingdom of God in the earth. Man, and how do we know that's true? Because Jesus said the kingdom isn't something that you can say, oh, it's here, oh, it's over there. He said the kingdom of God is within you. So he has a purpose for the kingdom of God to be seen within us. So how do we bring that out? We praise and remember our number one purpose. Your number one purpose isn't to get married and have babies. Your number one purpose isn't to have that truck you always wanted. Your number one purpose isn't anything earthly. Your number one purpose as a child of God is that the kingdom come. The next thing it says is this. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Church, you say priority. priority. Come on, church. You're learning something this morning. You're learning something this morning. So the first thing we do is praise. The second thing we do is make sure that we are living out God's purpose to see his kingdom come. And the next thing we do, and we make this a big mistake sometimes, is we have to have a priority. And our priority is thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's my number one priority. That is my anti-depression tablet right there, right? So that no matter what my life looks like, no matter how bad it looks, I know that as I praise God and I live out the purpose, which is to bring his kingdom to, to bring his kingdom to be manifested in this earth, that the number one priority now is thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Oh my goodness. So if kidney disease shows up in me like it did, I flip it on its head and say, uh-uh. As it is in heaven, so shall it be on earth so that your glory can be manifested in this situation. Church, I hope you're understanding this. Father, may they receive this revelation. We declare this does not go over anyone's head today. May this land on the fertile soil of their hearts so that they might produce much fruit. How many of you, raise your hand if you're going through any kind of thing in life right now where you could use God's help? You could really use him to show up in your life, right? And if you're not raising your hand, next week your hand will be up because it's something all the time. Something is always happening. Why? Because God 
God's glory is trying to fill this earth and you are the glory carrier. You are the one in which God's glory will be made manifested. So every problem that you have, every problem that you face contain is a seed. Every problem is a seed that contains potential glory. Do you hear what I'm saying? So you, so you got to be able to pray, say, God, I got this problem. Want some glory? Hey, God, want some glory? I got a problem. I got a situation. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. The enemy would make you make, you make your priority, right? You fixing it. You fixing the problem. Why would he do that? Because the devil never wants God to get glory. He'd rather you hold on to the problem so you can be anxious and afraid and depressed and worried and God gets no glory. But the priority, church, can you say the priority? The priority must be thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Then we get to verse 11 where it says, give us this day our daily bread. Church, can you say provision? See? You want provision? If any of you have lack in your life, here are the four steps. Number one, praise God. Number two, live in purpose. You got to say, thy kingdom come. Number three, make it a priority that his will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And number four, you can have an expectation of provision. It doesn't say, oh God, please give us some bread. It says, give us this day our daily bread. Right? We have praised you. We are walking in purpose. We have made your kingdom being established a priority. Now we thank you, church. Say this with me. Lord, I thank you for provision. So, church, if you don't see provision in your hand, you need to rewind three steps and say, have I been praising him? Have I been praising him? Have I been living out my purpose, which is his kingdom to come in this earth? Have I made it a priority that his will be done in earth as it is in heaven? How do we do that? All of you with problems, all of you that raised your hand, here's what you must say. Not my will be done, but let thine will be done. Right? That's how you transfer that problem into, from earth into the kingdom so that you can see the kingdom manifested on earth. Why, do you, why don't you think, why do you think that Jesus said, cast your cares on me because I care for you? It's, it's a glorious thing when you give your problem to God because it gives him an opportunity for you to have a testimony. Why are testimonies so important? Because that is how we overcome in the end, right? We overcame by the word of our testimony and the blood of the lamb. Your problem that you're facing right now is just a testimony that hasn't been baked all the way. I almost started talking about brownies because brownies sound very good right now. We're going to leave those brownies alone, right? But you can't take the brownies out until they're done. All your problem is, is an undercooked testimony. Do you hear what I'm saying? All your problem is, is an undercooked testimony. It's just not done yet. But, but have you followed the steps, right? You put certain things in brownies when you make them. If you want provision, you put certain things down first. You put praise. To praise, you add purpose. To purpose, you add priority. And then you have provision. And then once we have provision, we're able to go to verse 12 where it says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Church, can you say passion? 
So after you've got provision, after you've been fed, right, because we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So after we receive that bread, bread gives you strength, bread gives you energy. Okay, what do I do now, God? You love. The greatest commandment is love, right? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So when you turn to God and say, God, forgive me of all of my sins. I've done you wrong. It's against you and you only have I sinned and done this wicked thing in your sight. Um, brother, Pat, can you stand behind me over here for a moment, please? This is only an illustration. So last week, Pat Dove did me dirty, did me wrong. I'm, I'm still mad at the brother, right? I stood beside him on the praise team, but I didn't look at him, okay? I'm still angry with him, right? So I've, I've, I've prayed to God. I've praised him, right? I'm walking in purpose now. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The priority is to see the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, right? Now I've asked for my provision. Lord, give me this day my daily bread. He's given me the bread. And now I turn to passion. I say, okay, God, you're so good to me. After the provision, we have some passion, right? After God blesses you, passion comes out. You're like, oh God, thank you so much for this provision. I bless you. Thank you, God. Please forgive me of all of my sins. You are alone or righteous. I am wicked. Forgive me of my sin." But the Bible says, and forgive us our debts or our transgressions as we, as we forgive our debtors. So the same way that I ask for forgiveness from here, I take this forgiveness, take this forgiveness, brother, and I give it to him. Because that's the, that's the passion of this all. You play a part in the kingdom of God. And just as Jesus, through his passion, forgives you of your sins and trespasses, you must turn to those who owe you a great debt and forgive them also. But the beauty of it is the debt has been paid already. Those of you that struggle with forgiving people that hurt you, just remember this. It's not your forgiveness, it's his forgiveness. You might not have forgiveness within you to give to them, but, you, but Jesus said, unless you forgive, you won't be forgiven. So you take this forgiveness and say, Jesus he hurt me. She hurt me bad. I'm asking for the forgiveness that you've given me. Give me some forgiveness that I might share it with them. And Lord, he will do that. How many have had God do that? You've forgiven some people that really, you struggled to forgive them, but you were able to forgive them in love. Thank you, brother. Let's give Pat a hand. Me and him are cool. We got no beef. We're all good. Let's keep moving. After the passion comes this verse, verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So listen, let's, let's go down the list. We've praised him. We've got purpose. We've made it a priority that the kingdom be, uh, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We've got our provision. We've got passion. We're living in love. We're getting love and giving love. Now, do, now what do we need? What is the sixth P? We need protection. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There's a lot of evil in this world. And, and listen, evil doesn't even hide anymore. The bucket that they used to hide evil in has run over. 
The closet that they used to hide evil in is broken. The houses that they used to hide evil in, the roofs are off, and evil is just out in the wide open now. We're living in those days where they call that that is good evil and that that is evil good, so we definitely need the protection. Then finally, it says, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen, and that Last P is possession. Your father in heaven possesses the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. So all those things that you're going through, all those things that you have need of, God wants to do it for you. And the reason that he can do it for you is because all of the kingdom belongs to him, all of the power all of the glory forever and amen. Let's give God praise for that revelation this morning. Pray the Lord's prayer. Pray that prayer over your situations. Pray that prayer over your family. And you have to begin to seek the king of the kingdom. There is, a, there is a way that man has, right? There is a way that seems right to a man, but that way always ends up in destruction, right? Uh, I had need of a car. I did not pray the Lord's Prayer. I went to Craigslist. I bought an Audi for $800 from Columbus. I went to Columbus and bought this Audi, and I drove it for a little while. It was not the Father's provision towards me, right? I, I went, I did not seek the kingdom. I sought my own finances. I, pl I played God. Ooh, please don't play God. Because when you play God, it never works out for you. So I bought that Audi, and I was driving it down the street one day, and all of a sudden, I started smelling smoke, and it wasn't the fire of God, right? My car was on fire. I had time just to get out of the car and grab a few things, and that $800 went up in smoke. That car burnt to a crisp, gone, right? And God can show us something in that, right? That he is the one that gives us provision. We need to stop trying to rescue ourselves. Stop trying to rescue yourself. Stop trying to seek your uh, provision first. Stop trying to seek the ways of man first. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 34. It says this, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. Listen, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So money is a taskmaster. You can be a servant of money. Many people serve money, right? They, they, they chase after it. They love it. They hold it. But we got to understand that it's not a good master. It cannot save you. Verse 25, this is Jesus talking. The great light says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. What does he do? Feeds them. We're talking about birds here. Birds, right? Not humans. We're talking about birds, okay? The Father feeds the birds, right? 
And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Church, can you say this with me? I am more valuable than a bird. The next time you worry, maybe you need to say that. I am more valuable than a bird, right? As much as Jesus loves birds, he did not come to the earth and die on a cross to save the birds. He came to save you. And what he's saying here is, why are you worried when I feed the birds? You are way more valuable than birds. Verse 27, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? What does worrying do for you? This is what he wants you to hear this morning. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory, church, can you say glory? And all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. God will certainly care for you. Say this with me. God will certainly care for me. Man, that's why it's so important to get into the word, okay? This will deal with your anxiety and depression. You got to get in the word. Okay, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. <gasps> what? So all of us that are in worry are in unbelief. And unbelief is sin because everything that is outside of faith is sin. So the next time you worry, you need to say, Lord, forgive me. You take care of the birds and the flowers. I know that you will take care of me. I am not an unbeliever. Listen to what God says. Your heavenly father already knows all your needs. So what should we do then? Verse 33 tells us, seek the kingdom of God above all else or seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Let's pause right there for a moment. Father, I thank you that your word says that if we would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that you will give us everything we need. And I am a living testimony of that. I do not have a college degree. I did not go to Bible school. I was arrested before I ever became a police officer, but God, you still opened the door. You opened the door for so many blessings for those who seek you first. You opened the door for so many blessings to those who will seek you first. So God, may we seek you first above all things because you alone have no, have, you know what we need and all of the earth belongs to you. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 34, so don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. A quick review, what is the kingdom of God? Romans 14, 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not a manner of eating and drinking what one likes, but of righteousness of peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom of God is righteousness, which means right standing with God, peace, which means no more enmity between you or God. You are right with God and joy all in the Holy Spirit. 
John 10.10 tells us this. The thief comes only in order to steal and to kill and destroy. Jesus said this, I came that they might have and enjoy life and have it to its abundance, the full, till it overflows. All right, we're going to end on this. I told you all about rest, which is on the right-hand side up here. On the left-hand side, it spells life, L-I-F-E. Love, identity, faith, and eternal purpose. So how is the kingdom of God manifested in us through Jesus Christ? It's because he has come to give us life. And what does life look like overflowing? If we have love that overflows, Kimberly, you can come. What, is, what does love look like when it overflows? Holy Spirit, as we transition to the end of this message, I pray that you would bring us to the appointed end. Bring us to the spot that you want us to land on, God, so that the people that came today, they might receive the word they needed to hear. We thank you, Jesus, for life and life more abundantly. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the great light that has shined into the darkness of our hearts and lives and allowed us to come and find you. You've given us rest, and now we thank you that you give us life. And the first thing he gives us, church, is love. So what does it sound like if you have overflowing love? Here's what overflowing love sounds like. Remember, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Life stands for love, identity, faith, eternal purpose. So what does love overflowing even sound like? Because you desperately need this. You need the kind of love that Jesus came to give you. Some of you look for love in a person and they let you down. Some of you, we had grandparents that loved us so much and they're gone. Parents that loved us so much and they're gone. So what does this love that's overflowing look like? If people that we love can leave, then they must not be the promise. If these things, these material things that we love can rust and, and wither away and be stolen, then real love must not come from them either. So Jesus, then, what does the promise of life and life more abundantly look like? What is that love? Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39, tells you what that love looks like. Can you close your eyes for a moment as, as the light of love begins to shine on your hearts? I'm going to read the word of God to you, and may this land on your heart. Lord, open their ears that they might hear what the love that you have for us sounds like. Listen, church, here is love. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's give God praise for that kind of love. I pray that you write these down because when you're feeling depleted of, of life, it's not true. 
It's not true. That's why you got to stop obeying your feelings and emotion. They're not always true. This is true. The word of God is true. And he came to give you life. And that's what love sounds like. All right, close your eyes again. I'm going to read to you from the word of God what overflowing identity sounds like. Remember, he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So what does abundant identity sound like? Listen to this. Open up your ears to hear what the kind of identity God wants you to have sounds like. Here we go. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. Listen, listen. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Let's give God praise for that kind of identity. That's your identity now. You are God's very own possession. That's who you are now. All right, the next one is faith. You can keep your eyes open for this one. Here's what faith in abundance sounds like. Listen to this. Therefore, this is Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. How are we made right in God's sight? By what? Faith. faith. God gave you faith so that you might be made right in his sight. That is the overflowing abundance of life in faith. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Let's give God praise for overwhelming faith. That's what faith in abundance sounds like. God gave you all a measure of faith, and with that faith, you are made right in God's sight. Last but not least, eternal purpose. Love, identity, faith, eternal purpose. God came to give us new life and life more abundantly. Love and abundance, identity and faith and abundance, and now finally, eternal purpose. God, what is your eternal purpose for us in abundance? What, is, what does that sound like? What do we need to know? Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose, church, can you say purpose? God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom and its rich variety 
to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. His purpose was that through Jesus Christ and that sacrifice, remember, we died in the garden through Adam, but through the second Adam, Jesus Christ, we've been given new life, and this purpose is eternal. He saved us on earth that we might be with him forever. Let's stand to our feet this morning. I'll ask those that pray with others to come down, the elders.